Today on The Lab Report, we have on Mr. James Maskell. Yeah, he's so motivating. I'm rethinking everything. You're going to want to listen to this. It'll change your life. Yeah. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. I don't know any songs that start that way. I don't either, but I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are songs that start a lot of different ways, I, I think. I know, I know. It's the nature songs. Hello. Hi, Michael Chapman. How's it going, Patty Devers? It's going really well. Welcome to the Lab Report. Thank you. <laughs> this is a Genova Diagnostics podcast. Yeah, and if you're listening to this, there's a lot of things that you can do to help support this Genova Diagnostics podcast that's yep. about functional medicine, specialty lab testing, and integrative therapeutics. Yeah. You can subscribe. Mm-hmm. Go to iTunes and Spotify, download, rate, review. Do those things. Connect with us by emailing podcast at gdx.net. That's how you connect with us. If you've got a question, submit it. We'll do a question of the day. Yeah. We need your questions, people. And I know you got them. <laughs> I know. I've, I've seen questions come we in. We talked to you on the phone. You've got great questions. I know. Let's hear them. So, Patty. Yeah. Do you know who we have on today? I do. James Maskell. I know. Can you believe it? I can't. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about James Maskell. If, again, you're somebody out there who's not heard of Mr. James Maskell. You live in a cave, maybe. Yeah, right. So, James Maskell is founder and CEO of Evolution of Medicine, an online resource for integrative practice development, clinical education, and healthcare technologies. He hosts the Evolution of Medicine podcast and the Functional Forum, which is the world's largest integrative medicine community. He's on a mission to create structures necessary to evolve humanity beyond chronic disease. And he's written several books, including his most recent book, The Community Cure, and lectures internationally, having been featured on TEDx, TED Med, and HuffPost Live. And um, I'm not going to just speak for myself. I'm going to speak for everyone <laughs> in saying that uh, it's a pleasure to have you on, James. Thank Welcome. you so much. Welcome to the Lab Report. Great to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me. We, like most of the world, are huge fans of your podcast, Evolution of Medicine. And, you know, in that, there's so much passion because some in the industry call you a disruptor because you have this vision that dares to challenge how medicine is currently practiced. Where did this passion come from and, and how were you introduced to functional medicine? Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting journey for sure. So I was the weird kid at school that did natural medicine. I actually grew up, I kind of outed myself in this last book, which I hadn't done before, which is that I grew up in an intentional community. I was actually born in Colorado. I grew up in England and South Africa. And that community was actually involved in like the early days of the integrated medicine movement. Um, You know, some of the, uh, they were all like standard process reps back when that was the only like company going in the professional space Mm -hmm. and I kind of grew up taking all the weird products and you know I was the only kid in school who had a chiropractor and my mom you know I I remember super super clearly um, being the only kid in school whose mom had to be called before antibiotics were to be administered in fact in the nurses station of school there's literally like a, a a piece of paper saying don't no mask call, no antibiotic before call to mom, which and I was the only one. And I was like, you know, as I, I so I went through school and, you know, I, I didn't realize honestly that that was weird until I ended up in school at age 11 and realized like no one really knew any of these things that I knew. 
And that's just like the normal stuff, like the energy medicine stuff, you know, Reiki and attunement and all that stuff. I'm not even going to get into that, but that was like how I grew up. So then, you know, I thought my parents, you know, in the, in the rebellious phase, I thought my parents are insane. <laughs> and I went through a very like normal life where I thought I need to be an investment banker. I got a degree in economics. I had an interest in health economics. I wrote my thesis was really on, you know, on health economics. And that was like my focus at university. And I got an amazing job, like the highest paying job that you could get, which is being an investment banker. And I became an investment banker. And then I'm living in London. I'm working on the biggest trading floor in the world and basically realized straight away that this wasn't the best way to live your life. Like this wasn't yeah. as cool as the movies made it out. <laughs> Everyone who was there kind of hated their job. And if you lived in England and you go out drinking with them, eventually they'll tell you that that's the trick, you know, the facade oh. falls away. And I had mm -hmm. this mentor who on his like leaving party sort of broke down crying and basically told me that don't waste your life. Like I've sat on the same desk for 30 years. <laughs> and so I just was like, okay, mentor, I'm listening. Like, and at that same time, you know, I, I'd, I was sort of stayed in touch with what was going on. And I had some people around me that were involved in integrated medicine and kind of sold me on this idea of coming to work for them. And I moved to America in 2005. And so, yeah, it was it was there since the beginning. But I really had to go out into the world and realize that what sort of society seems to value, like making money and, you know, uh, being an investment banker was actually like a horrible way of having an existence. Yeah, man, good on you. And like seeing that early on and then just pivoting once you once you had your opportunity. I mean, some people don't don't listen to that. So that's right. that's great. Good but on the, you. But then, James, you came to America and you took a look at the healthcare system. Is that where this challenge and disrupting came from? No, I mean, the first few years was just learning. Like, I didn't really have any of my own ideas apart from I saw, like, I could see from my health economics training that the numbers were going off the charts, like the cost of care. And it was the same in the UK and the same in the US, even though one had single payer and one had like whatever we have here in America, hard to know what to call it. Um, you know, and so ultimately I was just like, look, there's there's something else going on that's driving all of these these numbers and then so my first job I'm working in a clinic in Georgia with a naturopath like leading the team and, and other practitioners there and a fitness center and whatever and I see the reversal of chronic illness mm -hmm. right I witness it and I see not just people getting better and like coming off medication but people visibly changing right becoming vibrant losing their walker like walking in where they'd come in in a wheelchair and I'm like, hang on a minute, right? If the uh -huh. cost of care keeps going up and everyone's on lifetime dependence on medication and this person is now seemingly like self-efficacious, right. this has to be a part of it, right? So I was like, I want to learn everything I can about it. Cool. So I got offered a job after that. I quit that job and I, I took a job as a supplement rep. So I was on commission. So literally in a, in a year and a half's time, I gone from working on the trading floor in London to oh living gosh. in Georgia for a year and a half and not Atlanta, Georgia. I'll have, you know, like this is like the hills of yeah. Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And, and then, and then, you know, going off now the beginning of 2007 to be a sales rep and my territory was Virginia to Maine. And for the next three years, I just, it was like, honestly, my reflection is that those three years were the greatest learning experience. Because if you're a physician or a practitioner doing integrative naturopathic functional medicine, 
I didn't know what functional medicine was at that point. I was just sort of in the integrative space, I guess. Mm-hmm. You have a very limited experience of it. Whereas when you're a sales rep, you have an incredible experience of it because you're literally seeing everything, every practice. You know, I cold called 40 practitioners a day for three years. I had thousands of appointments and I walked into clinics that were as varied as, you know, the the person doing Reiki in their uh, garage of their house right. mm-hmm. all the way through to like, you know, MD specialists who really didn't know what we were talking about, but whose wife had just recovered from Hashimoto's and wanted to know what this was yeah. and everything in between. And it just like those next three years, about a hundred thousand miles on my car. I went from every small town from Bangor, Maine to Buffalo to Dublin, Virginia, and, and uh, really got a sort of a crash course in, the integrated medicine industry. Wow. Pretty cool. That is amazing. What a story. I know. And from there, how do you get to Evolution in 7 on your website from from where you were? Yeah, so, I mean, there's quite a lot of journey from there to there, but ultimately, I realized straight away that clinical knowledge was a deep, dark hole that you could never win. Like, even if you knew more as much as the clinicians you were speaking in, and I just nerded out, like, you're not going to get anyone on side by being smarter than them. Right. And ultimately what I realized, the practice that I'd worked at in Georgia, still to this day, it's the best run practice I've ever seen. There's an operations manual like as, you know, that's like six inches thick. Every process is documented. And um, the person that I worked for had been in the day spa industry, which was really 10 years ahead of functional medicine in learning how to get cash from people. Mm-hmm. right learning how right. to build a cash business and so you know i just became the practice management guy so i was like helping doctors and i'd say look i walk into your practice i can see things aren't going well i'll help you but you got to buy all my stuff so my you know i start selling a lot of stuff and you know i'm 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 good at what i do and the beginning of 2010 i start my own practice management company uh, with a chiropractor who was one of my customers And we start putting together like the first course on basically how to use the internet to have a much more efficient practice. So it's a bit internet marketing. It's a bit internet education, those kind of, those kind of ideas. I get my chance to speak on the very first, uh, it's called Heal Thy Practice, which is a conference that ran for a few years by uh, Meg and Eric at Holistic Primary Care. And at that conference, it's my first time speaking in front of doctors. I'm not now a rep, but I'm a speaker. And I basically realized like, I'm funny. People like these jokes. You know, I have a lot of inside info that that you know only practitioners would ever find funny, and that you know. So I do that for three years. I speak at that conference. I think I end up being four years in a row, and I'm also now like a sales manager, and I'm hiring and training reps, and I'm trying to build this like practice management thing, and I'm learning a lot about running practices. And then in 2014, I just or 2013, I'm sitting there at the Integrated Health Symposium. And I'm hearing now for the first time about functional medicine. Maybe it was in 2010 I first heard about it. But I think, you know, Jeff Bland was the first guy I heard speak. And then I heard Christy Hughes give a talk and I saw The Matrix. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I realized that functional medicine was the future for no other reason apart from there's a consistent way of doing it that everyone can learn the same and have a common language. Because the one thing that I knew from going practice to practice is that even though all of these practitioners were basically doing the same thing, which is this salutogenic, you know, mission to actually improve health by, you know, building function that 
everyone was talking a different language and all the gurus did it differently. And it was like this, you know, group of artisans mm -hmm. and that like, that was not a scalable solution and we could never use that. That was going to be very hard to scale up to solve the problem because ultimately like I'm still in the mindset, like I leave England in 2005, like, Hey, I want to try and solve this problem. Like I want to try and work out how to get the curve to go down. How do we create a health system that creates health? And I'm sort of learning along the way. So that was when I realized, okay, functional medicine is where it's at because there's a consistent framework and it's a scalable structure where everyone speaks the same. And if you look into the functional matrix, you have things like structure and function is one of the seven nodes and therefore like, okay, this is where the chiropractor can have the most net benefit. Right. Um, right. And you start to just see like a structure by which everyone could play together where there's a consistent, you know, operating system where we could scale something out. So that becomes the functional forum. And for the first two years of the functional forum, we're really just learning, you know, from the speakers. And that's where Jeff Glad shares about the idea of his integrative micro practice, right? The digital low overhead practice. We start to realize, okay, maybe we can help people build these kind of practices. And then in 2016 is when we sort of come out as the evolution of medicine and we start our practice accelerator, which is like, okay, we see the mission, yeah. which is that we can help doctors make the shift to functional medicine. We can help them build these low overhead um, digitally advanced practices that use, you know, the internet for care, for delivery, all these different things. And, you know, that's, that's something that we can get our teeth into. And if we could just get enough people going to these kind of doctors instead of primary care, then, you know, maybe that can bend the curve and ultimately take it all the way to your question. The evolution in seven is just sort of like when people come to the evolution of medicine and put their email in, we just sort of give them the best of everything that we did for the first few years, which was two summits, a hundred podcasts, um, you know, a month, an episode of the functional forum, functional forum every month since February, 2014, it's over 75 episodes now. And we just sort of took all of that content and organized it in a way that someone could come in and go, okay, I see what these guys are about. That's like super visionary. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the way that it's transpired too, because like you said, each month, hundreds of cities, uh, multiple countries uh, doing the functional forum. I mean, like my first question ends up wanting to be like, how, <laughs> how? are you? <laughs> like, how, how does that but, work? But I mean, it's just, it's incredible what you've I'll done. I'll tell you this. I could tell you the answer right? Mm -hmm. Since I decided to do the functional forum, the universe has been at my back. That's all wow. I can say. Wow. And I'll just give you one example of this. So we scheduled the first functional forum in February, 2014. We did it and it was awesome. And we had Kelly Brogan, like is her first time she'd never been put in, on the stage and she was amazing. You know, we just had this incredible content. Everyone loved it. We videoed it. Two days after that conference, I get a note because I follow Seth Godin, who's like a marketing guy. Mm -hmm. And Seth Godin is going to put on an event in the same space that we did it in, L in New York called um, How to Be an Impresario. He's never done that course ever again, ever in the world. It's recorded. It's on Skillshare. You can actually buy it now. Yeah. But we went live. Me and my partner decided we had $1,000 that we could invest in the business. And we invested it in going to that. And Seth gave us the whole plan. Wow. It was like one, <laughs> right. you know, don't make your a big event big and big. Keep the actual event to uh, an intimate gathering, especially if you want people to actually connect. Like getting bigger loses intimacy mm -hmm. and scale through the internet. 
And so I was like, okay, that's it. So that's <laughs> what we're going to do. So we, you know, started putting it out and it took us three episodes to get the live streaming, right? Like the live stream totally conked out in the third one that was on psychiatry, but we got the video mm-hmm. and the fourth one, suddenly Mark Hyman is the speaker. The story of how I got Mark Hyman what? to be a speaker is like a thing of legend what? and, you know, we'll go down in history, but put it this way. I had to, I had to put a chauffeur hat on and go and pick him up from LaGuardia just to get 45 minutes so that I can pitch him on coming to be a speaker of my thing. And it just so happened he had another commitment in New York that night. He came on to speak that night and he had literally flown in from the Cleveland Clinic where they had got basically confirmation that they were going to build the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. And he announced it on the show and I what? had no idea that oh, come it was on. going to happen. How did the stars so, just like, align for you? This is really crazy. Well, it's meant to be. It's meant to be, yeah. It's unbelievable, unless the only thing that I can say is that the universe had my back. And it's carried on almost to this day, I would say. I love that. That's incredible. Well, and I mean, seemingly that that leads us to kind of some of the awesome stuff that's just happened within the last week. Right. um, With the the PLMI event. And do you want to talk a little bit about some of what what was done at that particular event and how you introduced the Virtual Practice Pivot Interactive Guide at that event? Yeah. So, you know, we launched, you know, where we we were like, okay, what is the evolution of medicine going to be? It's going to be a place where we can, you know, attract doctors in, you know, and, and help them make this transition. You know, by 2016, we had, you know, we had built a great following with, with the functional forum, but we started to realize like, we needed a long-term plan. Like we didn't really have a way of making money. It was cool to have all these eyeballs and we had some sponsors, but it was just like, if this is going to sustain, it needs to have a way to make money. And more than anything, I wanted to put ads in front of primary care doctors to be like, hey, you should go functional. Right. And I couldn't afford to put ads in there if we didn't have our own product to sell. Right. Mm. And so I just decided like, we're going to make this, we're going to try and like disrupt, I guess, the practice management industry mm-hmm. by instead of, you know, it being a $100,000 course, which, you know, our first sponsor on the functional forum was this like practice management company that cost a hundred thousand dollars and it's cool. And like some people, you know, it was amazing for, but the percentage of people that just have a hundred grand to dump into a practice is basically 1% of the population. And we want to help everyone. So we're like, what if we made a course where it was way cheaper and ultimately it would be like a community of practitioners. The community is the theme all the way along because mm-hmm. I was born in the commune and my partner and I were basically agreed that the future of medicine was like communities of people helping each other to get healthy. So like that was the plan. And three months before the first functional forum, I had heard Shilpa Saxena talk about the functional medicine group visit. And I was like, yep. hang on a minute, this is the future. Yeah. Let's try and see what we can do with this. So that was before the first forum. Um, so, you know, we knew that coaching was important. We knew that technology was important and we knew the groups are important. And so we were like, we're going to create a group for health practitioners where they can, you know, groups of health practitioners and doctors can support themselves to go through. And that's the practice accelerator. And we've had that for the last, uh, four years. And ultimately, you know, what happened in the last little while is COVID happened, mm. right? Tons right. of practices went out of business but all those practitioners that had built the digital infrastructure, right. my, you know, low overhead digital infrastructure practice were, were thriving and wow. busy, especially if they built a membership. And so we just decided like there was a conference that was coming up, you know, I've 
developed a great relationship over the last two years with Jeff Bland, such an encouraging guy. I'm sure everyone who's listening to this has had some sort of interaction with him. If you listen to the, you know, the Genova podcast, yeah. Um, but Jeff is is great and it's just so encouraging to everyone, and particularly, you know, just given me a lot of encouragement. We had this PLMI conference that you know we came up with this year. The year of uh, 2020 is the year of resilience, and the sort of crown jewel of the content was going to be this conference, the PLMI conference in Chicago. And I had Jeff Geller, who was going to speak on groups. And we put on this amazing, you know, conference and then obviously it had to be canceled. Mm-hmm. So we came up with this idea of putting it online and doing an online version. And with two weeks to go, there were like 2,500 doctors signed up for this thing. And we were like, oh man, this is a huge opportunity to to help a lot of people. And so we just sort of hustled to bring together you know, a lot of the training that we had from the accelerator and some new ideas into a guide that would be free that we could give out to everyone where they could start to make the transition to actually making money via telemedicine and what would be the sort of easiest journey from there. And that's the virtual practice pivot. So if you're listening to this, you can go and get it. It's free. Go evomed.com slash pivot. And it's an interactive guide. It's got tons of resources in there. And I think you'll be glad you did uh, if you if you need it. And that's sort of like our gift to the industry, like go get them, you know, get yourself back up in business. And I said on the meeting yesterday, like if our medicine is really about because the PLMI conference, which was amazing, was really about, you know, so Jeff kicked it off and he talked about is COVID a lifestyle disease? Not just that there are comorbidities for death, but Ari Vajdani's slides show very you know, simply that the people who have a who die from COVID and the people who have no effect from COVID, it's it's a loss of function over time that leads to one or the other. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I'm even more convinced that this is the moment for disintermediation, right? That all the insurance companies and all the other people who are in the way, even primary care in the way of people getting to real health creation. Let's get all these other people out the way and let's get people into a relationship with people who can actually improve function because no one else knows how to do it apart from our community. Mm-hmm. And all practitioners can do it, but here's just like a unifying concept. And so that was that event. There's 4,000 registered. We just did it yesterday. We've had um, hundreds of downloads of the pivot. And um, yeah, I expect that uh, you know PLMI will be a force in the future of online education based on the incredible feedback that we've already had. Well, I think because you're giving these things away for free and doing so much good work, I think that's why the universe has your back, just putting that out there. But just to pivot on something you just said when you were talking about how the telemedicine doctors and, and the people who have shifted to telemedicine in this time are thriving, I want to talk a little bit about your community approach. I mean, you wrote this book called The Community Cure, where you discuss all these yep. group medical visits. And we love Shilpa Saxena. I mean, we, we've heard her speak on that as well. But you've written an entire book based on these group consults. And so now that people are doing telemedicine, how is this working? And, and how do you see this supporting and impacting patient care? Well, let's just start at the beginning. So, you know, the first thing is, like, we get all these doctors doing functional medicine. Great. It's not really a solution for poor people. Mm-hmm. Right. We've got a lot of poor people, mm-hmm. and I care about poor people, so what are we going to do? Yeah. So then it's like, okay, well, look, we see that the community structure works. We see that, like, last year I just, you know, it all changed for me when I went to the Cleveland Clinic, and I saw that that's how they were doing their functional medicine with this 10-week, two-hour-a-week functional medicine sort of self-efficacy training. 
right? Which included like, not just learning what meditation is, but meditating, not just learning uh, what function is, but learning how to read your own labs, not just, you know, eating in community. And, and I, through that process on the, you know, the tour, we just ended up trying to learn everything that I could about groups. And so ultimately what I found out from when I like reached out to everyone in the industry and said, look, if you're doing something innovative in groups, I want to know about it. We made it into a podcast series. And what I discovered was that there were practitioners who were innovating to make the really like cumbersome parts of functional medicine much more efficient. And two parts that I think are really cumbersome in the traditional delivery of functional medicine is the intaking and the labs and lab review, particularly. And so as it comes to labs, you know, Dr. Christopher Mote, who I would become introduced to in the last couple of years and is an incredible uh, physician and speaker and actually like humanitarian, like the way that he runs his practice, I think is amazing. And um, he told me that he was doing all of his lab review in a group. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Tell me more. So I interviewed him about it. And he was like, look, 80% of the information is the same for everyone. You know, you're taking people through the different pieces and what they mean. People can look at the number and see what's high, what's low. Like all of the tests are like nicely laid out so people can see if they've got a good number or a bad number or whatever number that looks like and what the implications are. And that if people want to, you know, that's enough for most people. And then if they need more time, they can book a one-on-one appointment rather than having everyone do a one-on-one mm. appointment. And yeah. I think I think there's a lot of resentment from patients that they have to book another appointment, like uh-huh. just mm-hmm. to do the lab review. Like that's a I think that's a point where people feel like they're kind of being scammed. Yep. Yeah. And so like he'd found a way to do it. So, you know, so that was cool. And I was like, okay, that's a good idea. And we put it out on the podcast last year. And then COVID happened. And I was like, I guarantee you, Chris Moat is doing this online. <laughs> right. Because Zoom yes. is pretty obvious. We talked about virtual group visits. I was like, He's the kind of guy that I just know that he is mm-hmm. reached out to him. Yes, he is. And not just is he doing it on the group, but he's actually innovating inside of zoom where he's using like the breakout room functionality and all kinds of stuff. And one of the other things that I know about lab review, and I knew this from Jeff glad is Jeff glad is like, look, even if I'm sitting one-on-one doing lab review, I'm pulling it up on the computer and we're looking at the screen together right? because doing it on the screen is a lot easier than, than doing anyway. So for all those reasons, I was like, so it makes total sense to do a virtual group visit lab review. And I called him about it and he was definitely doing it. And he told me about some of the innovation they were doing. And I was like, okay, that's cool. So, you know, for this podcast and the listeners who are doing a lot of like labs and want to find a way to do it, you know, getting all the people who did, you know, if you have a relatively high volume practice, why not take all the people that did their gut test in a week and say, this is the time that we're doing the lab review. This is when you have to be on. Right. And people come on and you can record it if they need, but ultimately you're not showing anyone's data. You're just showing what uh, an example of the data and then people extrapolate what themselves. So it's that kind of efficiency and that kind of thinking that is necessary for this next phase. And if I, if I have to sort of give my, my vision for this, like the last 10 years for me, like in January, 2010, I walked into the integrated health symposium for the first time. And I was like, Whoa, this is like playing with the big boys. Like, wow, look at these booths and look mm-hmm. at integrated medicine. Like I had never been to a big conference. I would just been like hustling and speed dialing for three years. <laughs> and you know, this, this decade for me. And so that decade was really about helping doctors 
understand this new operating system of chronic disease management and helping them build efficient practices. But this next decade for me is really about large scale adoption of these ideas into the health system, right? So that everyone can actually have access to this medicine and turning functional medicine from functional medicine to medicine. And what would it take to do that? And there are there are factors conspiring in our favor, surprise, surprise, that would push many more people in the world to like care about their function. Right. Mm -hmm. um, as you know, as an example of the COVID and who dies and who doesn't. Hmm. And uh, ultimately finding as many ways as possible. So that's through individual practices. So finding ways to make that kind of care affordable and groups is a huge, a huge deal on that, not just for the efficiency of delivery, but also for whether or not, if we're going to build a whole system on behavior change, it's not working that well, folks, right? Yeah. Not mm -hmm. many people are changing, right. not enough to make any sort of population health level. Right. But guess what? In groups, people do change. That's why Alcoholics Anonymous has done it for 80 years, because we realize as a society that alcoholics need support and accountability, not drugs and doctors. Mm -hmm. So like, let's apply that to lifestyle-driven chronic disease. Yeah. That's such an ambitious goal, but if one person can do it, it's you. Well, James. and like, I just, this is just amazing. And it just it it puts a big spotlight on essentially your heart and your passion, right? And the the just what a shining light of a, a human to have that particular alignment right. of not just looking for how do I efficiently turn a practice into something that's that's driving a lot of money, but how are we how are we assisting all populations with the beauty of this particular medicine? Right. And I know that's you know that's something that. As clinicians, when we decided to go into medicine, that was one of the things that led us down that particular hole. And then, you know, you get led down several different paths throughout your training and throughout your experience and practice. But to come back to that and, and to have this sort of opportunity and to be exposed to your passion is just, um, it's really inspiring. So I, I just want to say thank you for that. No kidding. And to further that, Michael, James, we have your book, The Evolution of Medicine, here in the department. We actually use this book. Hi. Um, and to build on what Michael just said, we're talking about how doctors get burned out because the model wasn't working and they were getting sick, as sick as the patients. And so this is just a breath of fresh air. It's just something people need to hear. Yeah. I do want to ask because, you know, maybe a little bit out of egocentrism. Go ahead. Um, but, uh, you know, Patty and I talk a lot about the fact she's a DO and I'm an ND. And the fact that on your website, you wrote a specific letter around community care uh, for naturopathic physicians. And you talked a little bit about that. We were talking about the therapeutic order, actually, before we started recording. And uh, what is it about the naturopathic philosophy that you're finding to be somewhat inspiring and, and that can pull in some of that I guess, effort into functional medicine. How are these two things lining up in your mind? I would say, you know, the, the naturopathic education is the sort of shortest route to becoming the sort of clinician of the future, right? If you look at the functional medicine doctors, they have to unlearn so much. Yep. That right? was me. Super inefficient journey yep. to get to a point where you could actually deliver salutogenic medicine. Mm -hmm. So I think that the naturopathic that in that way, um, I think the principles are super solid. I think the fact that it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a profession built on principle, you know, as opposed to like functional medicine has a has an operating system which yeah. gives it a lot of ability to scale, right? But maybe kind of loses a little bit of the heart, and that's why functional medicine is synonymous with lab testing and supplements and not not function increasing. 
right? Mm -hmm. whereas, whereas with naturopathic medicine, so the principles are sound, even though that means that most naturopaths practice differently from each other, which is a problem for scale. But I learned this actually from spending time with um, Pamela Snyder of really like there was a decision in the naturopathic profession to be based on principle and not just trying to tell everyone to do it the same. Mm -hmm. So I respect that. But I also think that the naturopathic therapeutic order is the most clear North star for aligning healthcare. Like if you want to bend the curve, we need to deliver the naturopathic therapeutic order at scale. And that was what really my article was about. And so if you look at the naturopathic therapeutic order, the bottom three layers are very much possible and not just possible, but should be this sort of like empowerment group. And if you go to chapter seven of my book or actually chapter eight, where I talk about sort of my thesis and 14 years of doing it, if you look at the naturopathic therapeutic order, the bottom layer is essentially solving the social determinants of health, right? Establishing the foundation for health that not only can be done in a group, but should be done in a group because we need people to help each other. We don't have enough care to deliver the social determinants of health. Any organization that thinks they're going to solve the social determinants of health from medicine is crazy unless they think unless they're going to do it in these groups. And Dr. Geller has shown through his empowerment groups that that is possible and that works in federally qualified healthcare centers and all the rest. The next layer is stimulating the self-healing mechanisms. And Jim Gordon has shown that through doing mindfulness-based stress reduction in groups, you know, even things like acupuncture. Now acupuncture becomes affordable for everyone if it's done in a group. Yeah. Even things like tapping, you know, mm -hmm. those things can be done in that same group. And then the third layer is, you know, restoring weakened systems. You know, that's basically functional medicine. And again, that can be basically done in a group. So those three layers can be done incredibly efficiently in a group. And I would challenge every, every group out there, everyone that's listening to do that. Like having that offering in your practice is a low cost way to bring people into the higher cost offerings, which are structural support, the next one. So for a DO or mm -hmm. DC right? You can build that out and you can, you know, you can deliver that. That's your one-on-one -on -one care. Mm -hmm. Above that is kind of your classic functional medicine, which is sort of like use of supplements and maybe the Genova testing to be able to uncover the root cause, but not at the expense of everything that's already come below it. Sure. Right. right. And then above that drugs and surgery only in their rightful place, right at the end, because they're the most expensive, they're the most invasive, they're the third leading cause of death in America yeah. and growing everywhere else. And we need to put those at the end. And that's why the naturopathic therapy to go to the first time I saw it, I was like, right, that's it. Let's just do that. And how do we scale that up? And well, that's what the last book was about. Yep. And that's what we're going to see, you know, hopefully over the next 10 years. And, and I saw myself in your book, The Evolution of Medicine. I saw this and I came here after burnout and landed in a sea of naturopaths. And only now do I feel like I really learned some serious medicine. And I fell in love with this. So we always have this back and forth around traditional versus naturopathic, but there's a reason I'm here. And it's all of these things that you've written about in this evolution of medicine book. Yeah. And it goes back to what you're saying is about functional medicine, having that operating system, that right. organizing right. principle to make it scalable. And I, I just love that, that combination and that Me too. synopsis that you Me laid too. out. It's beautiful. It's genius. I, I try to ask naturopaths, like naturopathic doctors, there's some animosity towards functional medicine, right? Let's be real about that. And I ask them, Go like, ahead, where Michael. does the animosity come from? And, and what do you, you know, what do you think that you do, you know, that, that, that they should learn from? And I asked that question to a few people and I listened. And I, I feel like that grounding of the therapeutic order yeah. 
is what infiltrates, you know, that, that helps the function, you know, the naturopathic doctor sort of deliver functional medicine in a more human way. And, and I think so that I think that's what to learn. So it's like, okay, we're going to use the operating system, but we're going to be governed by the naturopathic therapeutic order. And I think that that's the way to bring people together. And ultimately, I guess what I want to say is I probably made a misstep by calling my thing, the functional forum, honestly, although maybe not, I mean, who knows, but it's been hard for me to help these practitioners see themselves as part of one solid community and we've done as much as we can like what else are we doing we're trying to get people to get together in person i've said it like a zillion times but i i I think what's going to be possible in covid because a lot of these organizations that have popped up that have seeked to differentiate themselves from each other and create these weird silos inside our weird silo happen to be event companies and Mm -hmm. event companies are screwed Mm-hmm. And so ultimately what I feel is going to happen is that COVID is actually going to, we're going to model the bringing together of disparate groups in our industry through my next plan, which is coming later this year, which is really, we're going to, we're going to take a second stab at this meetup infrastructure. Yeah. And that ultimately the meetup infrastructure that we built, like it went all the way up in 2016. We had almost 400, we had over 400 meetups worldwide. We've had a thousand people who have signed up to be a meetup host. And we had about 400 going at the beginning. And then it dropped off basically because it was never a profit center for us. We made zero money off it. And it was actually like a giant logistical pain in the ass, the way that we were doing it with, with Eventbrite and whatever. Mm-hmm. So late coming soon. And you guys are kind of the first to hear about this. You know, we really want to put a real infrastructure behind it and we actually want to take best use of everyone's time. Yeah. And what we realized the first time around is that doctors aren't the best people to be running this, even though it kind of makes sense that they should be. If they're not getting any financial benefit from it, like why would they keep doing it? And Mm -hmm. what we saw is that some people got energized by the idea and then in three months they were like, ah. I, I got to take care of my kids. Like this is in right. all the list of all my priorities, this has got to go. Some people kept doing it to this day, but ultimately, you know, Genova and the lab companies and all the supplement companies actually have the most to, to benefit from creating this community. And so they're going to play a more significant role in the second ecosystem. Because when I looked out and saw, okay, like if you look out, St. Louis Institute of Integrated Medicine has been running for 12 years. They meet four times a year. They pay to go to these meetups and they have the strongest community. It was built by an orthomolecular rep, Kristen Brokaw. Mm -hmm. She started it Uh and she built it over these years. Um, You know, she has an incentive to hustle people into the meetings every month because she's selling them stuff. And so we have to engage that economic incentive if you want to build resilient communities and so coming this fall watch out because as soon as you know we can go outside and connect again um we are going to bring community back um at a at a really uh strong level and we're going to have a whole a whole infrastructure to allow local groups to self-organize and to really build uh local pods and we're even going to have a competition called america's functional medicine city and it's going to be awesome. Wow. wow. That sounds incredible. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, there's something about this guy who just gives me a like win. That. I feel like Asheville could win. <laughs> we, are, gonna, we are going to, I mean, we're, Genova's gonna as lead far it. as a mecca around That's right. this particular type yeah, of medicine. Yeah, really. We're, and, we're in the right place. But I think, you know, what you spoke to earlier is is part of this as well, as far as the, the fact that you, you alluded to, you know, different degree types or different backgrounds have mm-hmm. a little bit of a animosity 
history there and and breaking that down is the community is the particular avenue to break down those particular barriers uh, because ultimately when you get people in the same room and you realize we're all talking the same language, uh, yeah. just kind of different yeah. dialects, then that's that's where it starts. That's right. I could have called it the Salutogenic Forum and then most people would have been confused. And no one <laughs> <come>. <laughs> maybe it'll change it. To that. Right. Maybe it's just medicine evolving to its, you know, maybe it's that like the energy that I wanted to bring with the evolution of medicine is that this is just like, this is just how medicine adapts and evolves and this is how we move forward. And it's not a revolution. It's just like the way that it happens. And ultimately, you know, that I think, I think that's, that's kind of more what I wanted to capture, but I do, I think if practitioners don't think about scaling movements, Mm -hmm. but I think if they did take a moment to realize that the functional medicine Mm -hmm. operating system, if you really look at it is a common language for disparate practitioners to agree. And from an economist point of view, what the, what the functional medicine operating system does is it maximizes the marginal benefit of interventions. I'll say that again. It maximizes the marginal benefit of interventions. Let me give you an example. 10 people with type 2 diabetes. Five people eat too much McDonald's. Three people have transgenerational or current epigenetics from the exposome. And two people have some sort of stress thing. Mm-hmm. If you change everyone's diet, five people will get better. These other five will not get better and it won't look like a good intervention. If you just give everyone stress management, two people will probably do well and the other five won't. Ultimately, if you give everyone the functional medicine operating system, these five change their diet, these three go on a detox and these two do stress reduction, everyone reverses their type 2 diabetes. That Mm. is the power of a system. Now, naturopathic medicine has those principles involved, but ultimately, if we want to bring health coaches into the mix, if we want to have team care, we need to have a common language. And you could put a bunch of naturopaths in a room and one person's doing you know, classical homeopathy and one person's doing functional medicine, these guys don't even see the same thing. So, you know, this is something that we have to deal with if we want to scale this thing up. I love that. Yeah, that's, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully, you know, as far as Patty and myself and and Genova goes, like we're, (coughs) we are all in. I mean, we're we're in. We're totally, we're we're open. We want to participate in this as much as we possibly can. And Asheville's going to win. And and part of what we're doing here too, and why we wanted to launch this podcast was essentially we have a lot of the lab interp information, right? We sit there and we do one-on-one consults all the time with physicians. They call us up. But, you know, to your point, that's that's a similar sort of model. It's a similar sort of archaic model. And we said, we have all this information around lab interp and and we've been studying this laboratory medicine side of things. Let's deliver this information to, to, to everyone so that you know, they can have the capacity to, to not only dig deeper on what the lab results mean, but to see different patterns that maybe they weren't familiar. You know, you combine one biomarker with another, with another, with another, that tells a different story than, than, than a different pattern. And so we wanted to get this information out and, and circulating. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about circulating, right? Let's circulate this podcast. Like I'm feeling like I'm in the zone today. <laughs> I appreciate you giving me the, you know, the opportunity to share my vision for it and coming together like the practice pivot is the greatest gift that I could give to the community. Mm. And I think that anyone who's out of practice right now, like the low overhead micro practice where you build all the technology first is a solution. But, you know, I would say, you know, I would love it if you could get all the Genova staff together on a Zoom meeting and just listen for an hour and listen to this. And I, if everyone wants to be on it, there's so much that we can do together. 
And ultimately, I would say that if you're listening to this and you're listening because you listen to the, the this podcast, you know, please put this in Facebook groups, put this in other places where other practitioners are because we can win. So I guess I just want to say, like, put it out there. Let's get galvanized around this. Yeah. And the truth that I shared on the first functional forum is that, like, conventional medicine has no idea how to reverse chronic disease. Right. Mm-hmm. I was a, I was before the functional forum started, I would classify myself as like I was angry. Right. I was kind of a protester to the current way of doing things. And I know that energy is very like present in our community. And what I realized in 2013 in a psychedelic dream <laughs> was that, you know, is that no one else knows how to do this. And we have the greatest advantages that we know how to do it. And that Bucky Fuller quote hit me over the head, which is like, you don't, you got to create the new system that makes the existing system obsolete. Mm-hmm. And for chronic disease, we're it. Yeah. And we just need to start acting like it and get organized and put, put it together. So we're going to organize people with these meetup groups. We're going to organize people with building resilient practices that can take over from primary care. Like I think, a, I think primary care in its purest form is awesome but we haven't had its purest form of primary care in this country for 50 years. We've had a system where primary care is just a conduit to the rest of the medical system. And the primary care doctors who sold their practices to hospitals know this only too clearly that they have a list of referrals that they have to give. And if they're not sending enough people to the radiologist every month, then they get sacked and they put in a junior doctor. Mm -hmm. I heard that at the first primary care conference I ever heard. And I was like, you guys are going down. That is bullshit. Oh, yeah. We have value add primary care, which is the functional medicine operating system. And guess what? Primary care is out of business right now, too. This is the moment, the great disintermediation, where all the other assholes that have been in the way are out the way, and we can speak to the patients directly, get them into our practices, and if we keep them well, they are self-efficacious, and they never go into the rest of the system. This is our moment, and all we have to do is step into it locally, individually, and as a community, and I'm so glad that you as an organization are behind it, because what else are we going to do? Right. Preach, James. No kidding. We're, I'm, I mean, I'm, like, I'm so motivated. Let's though. circulate. Let's organize. Yes, let's yes. get people together. Let's do this. Let's win. You got Patty who's fist bumping over here. You got all sorts of <laughs> physical reactions occurring on this end of the conversation. I can't jump up and down because I stopped talking to the microphone. <laughs> but I just want to say thank you so much for for spending. I know your time is valuable. And thanks for coming oh, on and sharing your amazing you so insight. Much. I do. You know, I have to say, I have one more question. Oh, here we go. Um, J- Mr. James Maskell. Yes. <laughs> do you like sandwiches? And what's your favorite sandwich? Well, you should ask that because oh, no. literally, I would have been like probably like a bodybuilder guy if I had not <laughs> discovered the sandwich age about two years old because I grew up <laughs> in England where everyone eats bread. Everything is covered in bread, right? If you've ever been to England and you've been gluten-free, you know that everything's like a pie or a pasty. Yeah. Right. It's covered in some sort of bread. And that basically led me to be like moderately overweight for my whole life. <laughs> now, I would say that I am actually a sandwich connoisseur and I've oh. made all the sandwiches in my time. Mm. And, um, you know, the, the sandwich that kind of got me hooked is a cheese and mayonnaise sandwich, which what? is really weird. 
but yeah, on granary bread, that was like what I ate growing up. And then I, you know, suddenly like I was like a, a tubby kid. But this, you know, I do love the cheap Branston pickle is a key ingredient. If you guys oh. described that, you know, discovered that it's like a semi-sweet sour pickle that's black. You can get it in World Market. I highly recommend it. That with cheese is amazing. Um, but uh. these days I try to avoid the sandwich. But the, what I've come to realize that the, the greatest sandwich is actually the banh mi sandwich. Oh, yeah. The, the Vietnamese oh, sandwich. yeah. Yeah. It's so good like with the carrot and like cilantro in it. Yeah. And and that sandwich was created because essentially the French, you know, invaded invaded <laughs> Vietnam. And so suddenly like you're like, "Oh, how did these Asian people end up with these delicious baguettes?" It's because it was a French <laughs> colony. So, I'm 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 into innovation in sandwiches. I think the banh mi is the best, but the cheese and pickle is where I am. So, let have just, you ever had a better answer to that question? Never. No, no, that's see, a good one. I that's... was just going to point out with that answer, we got history, we right, got like, culture and different cuisines. And we got polarizing cilantro, which And we got know, practical application, yeah, which I, I expect nothing this. less I from know. James Maskell. That was perfect. Perfect. Perfect answer, sir. There you go. But thank you so much. And again, we're going to we're going to encourage everyone Please to don't go send get me a bunch of banh mi We won't. I'm no. To give it up. We're, we're going to encourage everyone to subscribe to your podcast, Evolution of Medicine, to yeah. pick up your book, The Community Cure, and to go and get that virtual guide that's available for free on his website, goevomed.com. Yeah. And you can follow James on Facebook, James Maskell, or Instagram at Mr. James Maskell. And just want to say thank you so much again for coming on. It's been a real pleasure. Appreciate it. Good talking to you, sir. Whoa, what just happened? That was like a power line drop right know. in the middle of this room. That was intense, man. That was awesome. It was a blast. Dude. I know. I'm fired up. <laughs> I'm scared. And you may not be able to see because my face doesn't do a lot of changing. It does not. But, yeah. uh, man. I know. And it got, it got a little crazy in here. Like you were standing up, pumping I jumped out of my bumps. chair. I jumped up. And, yeah, I mean, that's that was awesome. You know... You know what I'm thinking? What? Next time on The Lab Report, we talk to Dr. Christopher Moat. Yeah, if James Maskell says we should talk to him, we're going to talk to him. That's exactly right. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Great. Now I know how I'm spending my night. How's that? I got to go find these black pickles that James was talking about. Forget the black pickle. What? Can we talk about mayonnaise and cheese sandwich? (laughs) At first I was grossed out, but now I really want to try it. I mean, it's kind of like an egg sandwich. Yeah, I'm going to try it. I'll let you know. With cheese? Yeah. Without the egg? Right. But there's egg. You know.